You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not too long ago, I walked up here and we took a look at the word love. I quoted about 50 Bible verses to help us understand all the different ways that the word love is used. And we selected that and helped us learn what it meant for us to love the way Christ loves us. Today I'd like to do the same thing with a different word, the word anger. St. Peter talks about anger, even if he doesn't use the word itself, when he says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. St. Peter is warning us about anger and what it can do when we respond to the outside world with it. Today, that's what I'd like to talk about. And I have to let you know beforehand that I am leaning on a, a paper written by Dr. Jeff Gibbs at the seminary. Um, in fact, I'm basically summarizing it for you today because he writes it and he titles it, The Myth of Righteous Anger. I want to talk about that what it means when we are angry, and whether we can do it well. So, the myth of righteous anger. First, let's take a look at the word anger and how it's talked about in the Bible. So, first of all, in the Old Testament, we see uh, anger from two different sorts of people. There is God, first of all. God is frequently angry, angry throughout the Old Testament, but it is always in response to sin. When God looks at the sin of his people, he gets angry at them because they're breaking his covenant, usually chasing after other gods. When God gets angry in the Old Testament, it's because the nations are going against what God wants. Either they're attacking God's people or they're committing some sort of terrible sin. God gets angry in the Bible. And of course, that anger is righteous, isn't it? Why? Because God is God. Everything he does is righteous. And it is always in reaction to sin and always the appropriate judgment because God is God. But we should remember that this is not how God defines himself. This is not the way God presents himself totally to us. In Exodus chapter 4, this is what he says about himself. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. See, God 
is slow to anger and abounding with love. In fact, the whole Bible is a story of God being gracious and merciful, forgiving sin over and over and over and keeping his promise to Israel and to us. It is a measure of how terrible our sin is that God is so frequently upset and angry over sin in the Old Testament that we would reject him so severely throughout Israel's history and by our own sin. But his graciousness is always there. He sent Jesus to come and die for us to take the penalty for our sin and his blood takes our sin away. Which means that he does clear the guilty because he punished the innocent one, Jesus. He is gracious and merciful. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to be angry like that with righteous judgment? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to go out and, and shout our anger to the world? Wouldn't that be satisfying? Wouldn't that be nice? And that's a problem, of course. It's because it, we would feel good about it. Letting our anger out when we see injustice or uh, slights or terrible things, well, it just feels too nice to be able to do it. And that's sin. Throughout the Old Testament, God looks at, uh, God presents human anger pretty negatively. Uh, sometimes there are examples of righteous anger, or what could be called that but they're really not uh, strong things for us. In Psalm 139, it says, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Of course, the psalmist is crying out to God to say, Hey, I don't like the things you don't like, and I don't like the people who are your enemies. But it doesn't really say that this is a good thing. It just says that the psalmist is angry. And he appeals to God that he says, God, I'm on your side. Now, if we took that as an example, we could also have to take Psalm 137 verse 9 as an example, where the psalmist talks about the nation of Babylon and says to people, Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against a rock. Psalms. We're certainly not going to take that as a positive example either, are we? Sometimes the psalmist simply cries out at his frustration and anger with the way the world is treating him and his people. When God talks about human anger in the Old Testament, it is almost always negative. Genesis chapter 4 says, So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do will, well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God equates Cain's anger with sin. And we know what it does. Cain was angry, and so instead of controlling it, he let it out on his brother Abel and killed him. Another example is from the book of Jonah. Jonah gets sent to Nineveh to proclaim to them, in 40 days God will destroy Nineveh. 
and the people repented. Nineveh, the whole city, from top to bottom, even the animals, fasted out of repentance. And God forgave them. He relented from destroying the city. And this is what Jonah says after God presents himself as gracious and merciful. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord says, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah was angry that he spared Nineveh. Can you believe it? Jonah was upset that God was forgiving. In fact, that's why he ran away, so God would destroy Nineveh. His anger, not so holy. Proverbs presents anger in a negative light too. It says in Proverbs 22, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Human anger. Perhaps the best example of God's advice to us about anger is in Psalm 37, where it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Don't, be, don't let your anger go out. Wait for the Lord to bring about judgment. Sounds a little bit like 1 Peter, where Peter says that, that Jesus, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We also see examples of anger in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus shows some anger, and it's always righteous anger. We, when we see in John... We see Jesus going out and overturning the tables. John chapter 2, 13 through 17, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, Take these away! Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Wouldn't it be fun if we could satisfy our anger by making a whip of cords and driving out evil? But we could never do it without sin, could we? Jesus shows his anger sometimes in Matthew 23 where it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Sounds pretty angry to me. But there's a difference between what Jesus does here 
and what he does at the end of his life. We see Jesus in his teaching ministry using these things to help people understand how they're supposed to live. He doesn't attack individual Pharisees or try to undermine them personally. He tells them that they're hypocrites. He doesn't hurt individual people in the temple or go after them, exposing their personal life. He just drives them out so that people can worship in the temple like they're supposed to. In the New Testament, our anger is almost always associated with sin. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool! will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus himself says that anger is sin. Where's the difference? Jesus is perfect. And we're not. Our anger can only be sinful. In fact, it's assumed throughout the New Testament. If you read the epistles, there is, it's just simply put in a list of sins. Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. It doesn't even feel the need to help us understand it. Colossians 3, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Or Romans chapter 12, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Responding to the world with anger is sin. Instead, we're supposed to respond with love. And that's what St. Peter says too. When he was reviled, he did not revile in turn. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus, when he was personally attacked, didn't respond with anger. He responded with love. When they insulted him, when they put him on trial, when they nailed him to the cross, he didn't say anything in return. In fact, he forgave them. When he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And that's a wonderful thing that God does. He doesn't react with anger to sinners. Jesus reacts with love. The shepherd that goes after the sheep and brings them back into the fold. The shepherd who cares for his lost sheep doesn't react to us with anger, but sacrifices himself so that we can be part of this flock. Sacrifices himself so we can be forgiven. This teaching goes against the way our culture and our world talks about anger. Anger is often 
portrayed as a good thing. We see it in outrage. Outrage over the things that are wrong in this world. I belong to a number of Berwyn Facebook groups, and sometimes it's amazing to see how often they seem to be dedicated to outrage. I belong to one group that's dedicated, it seems like, to pointing out all the renovations they do with the bungalows and those, those things they stack up on top and just saying, how wicked that is that they didn't put it back in the style of the original. Seems funny, right? But they're willing to throw their neighbors under the bus for this concept, this outrage. I remember marveling at the local elections for the school board and seeing how people on Facebook would be willing to spread things, rumors, terrible things about their neighbors. The people who lived blocks away from them. All in the name of making sure their schools were good places to be because anger always produces a good learning environment. We're told that we're supposed to have anger about red team or blue team, no matter what they do, even when their positions were exactly the opposite four years ago. It's fast, amazing how quickly we switch and how, how upset we get when the other team says the thing that we believed not long ago. Anger in these situations only brings about sin. It only divides, it only tears people apart. So why do we do it? Because it makes us feel righteous. Because when we look at someone else, we can say, sinner! That's what outrage does, right? Like the prophet in the wilderness crying out, I am righteous and you are terrible. What if Jesus had done that? What if Jesus had looked at us and been the prophet in the wilderness shouting, Die, sinners! And he hadn't come to the prostitutes and the tax collectors and loved them. He hadn't talked with the Pharisees, even though they rejected him. Sit in their houses and eat with them. What if he hadn't come to you in love? Died on a cross for you. Would any of us be saved? Would any of us have life? All of us would be cast out if he simply shouted. Because anger doesn't work. Anger doesn't change anyone's mind. It doesn't get anything done. All it does is divide. All it does is tear people apart. You might object. Anger can get you motivated. It can tell you to go out and, and make a big change. But we ask, why does it take anger? Does it take anger to be compassionate because someone is hurting? No, of course not. Can't we do these things out of love? Can't we see a problem and have pity? Why does it have to be shouting and angry and, and just harmful? Anger always leads to sin unless we control it and turn away from it. We need to handle anger in the right way. We need to turn from using it and indulging it 
and instead follow our Savior. Of course, anger is something we all deal with. I know I can be very angry, and I'm sure you can be too. I indulge myself occasionally and I have to check myself with my outrage as I look at a world that looks like it's falling apart or turning away from righteousness. How do we deal with it? How do we deal with it when someone hurts us? Uh, An individual who, who it seems crosses us or wants to tear us down. Sometimes we just need to vent. Find a safe person to talk to. Just get it out. But sometimes we just need to confess. To sit down with your pastor and say, Pastor, I am so angry. Forgive me. You'd be amazed at what the forgiveness of God that comes to you one-on-one, face-to-face can do to get rid of that. But most of all, when we control our anger, we can do what Jesus does. Bring love to people who hurt us. Bring love and forgiveness to those who sin. And maybe, when we're like him, they'll see the error of their ways. They'll see the grace and mercy of Christ and come to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.